Right, it's, um, it's quite a lot to get through this service, so I honestly have slashed this sermon in half, I promise you. I had like loads of things to say. I'm saying almost one thing as an encouragement to us. We are very warm welcome, by the way, if you've not been to St. John's before, I'm Mike, I'm the vicar, and it's great to have you amongst us. It's really great that we're together here on a special occasion like this one. Um, we usually dish out Bibles at this, at this point. We won't bother just because it's such a short little passage I'm going to read. It'll come up on the screens. But it's worth reading the whole thing, right? It's, we're in the book of Judges, which is a book in the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible. And we're talking about a time about 3,000 years ago amongst God's people in ancient Israel where all kinds of things are going on, but the Lord's raising up what, what are called Judges, they're sort of warrior leaders for God's people at their times of need. And it's a, it's a fascinating book. It's full of failures and weirdnesses. It's also full of encouragements. And the whole way through, we see through every page the faithfulness of God and the fact that a human saviour won't do it. We need a divine saviour from heaven. All the way through the book, you get that impression. Now, he's not good enough. She's not good enough. That one's not good enough. What did he do? All of that comes through the book and gives us, leaves us with a sense. We need a savior from heaven. So that's the kind of summary of the book of Judges. And I'm going to tell you that the character we're going to think about a guy, today is a guy called Jephthah. And I'm going to do this little section, particularly for those people here who might be thinking, I feel like a real outsider in here. This is not normal for me. So if you think I'd be more comfortable, I don't know, in the bookies, or I'd be more comfortable in spoons, or I'd be more comfortable on, like, the axis in Adventure Island than here, then this little message is for you. If you think to yourself, gosh, I'm not, you know, I'm not really religious. I don't know people who are religious. This is foreign. These songs that we sing in here and the things that we do in here, I'm just not used to that. I've never watched songs of praise. Or if it comes on, I switch it off. It's just not me. And also, you might be thinking, look, I am just a little bit too messed up and too complicated to be part of something like this. Well, we love the Bible. You know, here at St. John's, we love the Bible because it constantly presents us with messed up and complicated people. And we've got an example of that here. And I think it does that so that we know that God's not going to be surprised with us. When we present ourselves honestly to God, and we go, look, here I am, here's where I'm at, he doesn't go, oh, gosh, I've never seen anyone quite like you before. What do you mean you don't like to pray? Or, you've done what? Sorry, what is that thing? I've never heard of that. Now, we have all of these things here in the Scriptures so that, in fact, all the most weird, if you read the rest of the Jephthah story, it is X-rated and weird. And it's so that um, even as we come to God with all of our 
twisted weirdness and all of our past and baggage, the Lord's like, no, I know about, I know about that stuff. I know about, I've got a whole book full of it. Why don't you go and read it? We're not going to surprise the living God when we come to him honestly. So this is, I'm just going to give you the backstory of Jephthah. Here it is. We'll put it on the screen. So this is verses 1 to 3. This is chapter 11, Judges chapter 11, 1 to 3. Just a really short reading. I can't do the whole thing. We're just going to do his background. Here's a guy called Jephthah the Gileadite, a mighty warrior. Sounds like the beginning of a good story, right? Uh, his father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife, so not the prostitute, also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, so they were younger than him, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any of the family inheritance, they said, because you are the son of a prostitute, another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, just check out this guy, Jephthah, right? Did you hear all the details? Um, birth circumstance is not great. So his dad's gone and been unfaithful to his wife and slept with a prostitute and made her pregnant. And along comes Jephthah, not fantastic. Not a fantastic start. Second, rejected by his brothers, his little brothers, who turf him out and say, we don't want any of, you're a misfit. You're not part of this family. And they deny him his inheritance. And so what does this guy do? He does what most of us would do. He gets out of town. I don't want to, I can't just, I can't abide all of this aggro. So he's going to get himself out of town. And if his family have rejected him, then he'll go and find family elsewhere. And sure enough, he does. Amongst a bunch of, it says in here, scoundrels, which is kind of endearing. It makes you think of like shenanigans and, you know, capers and all that sort of thing. But really, we're thinking of like rebels, thieves, wrongins. One Bible translation puts it like this, vain and worthless men, lowlifes. The kind of people that Jephthah's hanging out with now. So here he is, tough life from the start, rubbish birth circumstances, and now he's wound up on the wrong side of society. And you can imagine, can't he, looking at his Instagram or his social media, there are his brothers, and schoolmates all growing up, life looks great. You know, it's a picture of their, uh, I don't know, their children eating their first rice cake or something like that. Well, there they are, first day of school in their school uniform, looking fabulous in the kitchen at home with a lovely fridge in it, or whatever, getting their grade eight on violin. He's looking around, all his friends doing fantastic, his brother's looking good, smart suits. Jephthah is busy leading organized crime, causing trouble, making misery, a blight on people's lives. That's Jephthah. That's the backstory. Now, 
Now, we can say loads more about Jephthah, and I'm encouraging you to go and read the rest of the story. But one thing we know from this book of Judges is that the true and living God really loves to use people like Jephthah. Outsiders. Outcasts. People you wouldn't expect and you wouldn't esteem. God's like, I'm going to use that one. And chapter 11, verse 29, it says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. That one. And he, he was used powerfully to bring rescue. You see, all the enemies were sort of crowding in on ancient Israel, particularly a group called the Ammonites, and they were going to fight Israel, and they were, you know, they were up against it. This guy, Jephthah, was given the Spirit of God to lead God's people into victory and rescue them. It was him. Now, the reason God does the reason for this, all right, just track with me here for a moment, is this, right? When the right kind of person who's got the right kind of background and all the right training does the right thing in this world, then everyone goes, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, aren't human beings really clever? We know how to train someone up. We know how to make them really good at things. We can do this. We can organize this. We can do it all by our own strength. Aren't we clever? But when the wrong kind of person who's had the wrong kind of background and hasn't had any of the right sort of training and the right sort of preparation comes along and does something completely unexpected, then that confronts us. Oh, hang on. What's happening here? Makes us ask deeper questions. What's going on here? He hasn't gone through our schools, you know, checking our notes. Hang on a second. Where did he go to school? Where, what kind of upbringing did he have? Everyone's scratching their heads. It makes us ask deeper questions. The kind of questions that God likes to ask. Questions like, who is it who can bring something out of nothing? Who is it who can turn bad stuff and evil into good? Who is it who can make beauty from ashes? Who is it who can turn death into life? Who can take an outsider and an outcast that no one would expect and bring them right into the middle of God's plans and purposes? That's why God does it. Because it makes us all ask deeper questions. Who is it who does this? Now listen, Jephthah's story takes some unexpected turns later on, and I'm going to leave it with you to look at all that stuff. But for now, I just am speaking again, really just concentrating on those people in here, perhaps, who've thought of themselves, this isn't me. This place and the stuff you do here, this is not me. I'm an outsider. I feel, you know, imposter syndrome. This is not where I belong. I don't belong here. 
I, I haven't had the right background. I haven't had a church background. I don't pray. I don't know religious people. I'm too far gone. Or whatever you might want to say to yourself right now. If you feel that way, can I please just encourage you, don't run away from the Bible. You run to the Bible. You're going to find yourself in there over and over and over again. You're going to see yourself in the lives of people like Jephthah, who was also completely outside the mainstream. If you feel like that, you don't run away from the Bible and you don't run away from the God of the Bible. You run to him. He's not going to be surprised by you. He's not going to suddenly go, oh, hang on a second, what kind of person have we got here? No, he's like, I, I tend to have, the Lord tends to have plans for people who feel on the outside. And his heart is to bring them in. He does that. It's kind of his specialty. And supremely and finally, just put your eyes on Jesus. Because at the very end, at the last, he was the most supremely outcast human being. That is why he ended up on a cross. Because the whole world rejected him, said, you're not one of us. Can you go away, please? Jesus was supremely made the outside one and the outcast one, the most forsaken one. And we know how that story ends. So each to our baptism candidates, for the three of you guys who were baptized today, many congratulations. But I said, didn't I? And I said, as we were preparing for baptism, I said over and over again, you don't come. We don't come to these waters because we've sorted our lives out and now we feel like, oh, everything's a bit more familiar and, you know, all that sort of thing. You come to baptism to throw yourself into the arms of Jesus, who knows what it's like to be on the outside, out of the middle. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. His arms are big enough for someone like you. And these waters are made for someone like you. So might it be you next time round? We do baptisms quite frequently here at St. John's. Might it be you in those waters? You might think yourself an outsider. God has plans for outside type people. Let's pray. Shall we pray together? So we pray again, Lord, for Saran, for Gary, for Simon, for their journey forward in faith from this moment on. I pray that they would know those loving arms, the gracious care, Lord, and provision that you offer so freely to us as we come to you. And I pray for each and every one of us, those of us who've been baptized and are recalling our baptism even now, to remember these great and precious promises Every single one is yes and amen in Jesus. We're yours, 
we're your children, you hold us in your arms, all the things we've done, all our baggage, all our rubbish, all the twisted thoughts and wayward ways, you know them all and we come to you regardless because we know that you can hold us and sustain us. And for those in here who are just pondering, might it be me who steps into those waters next? Lord, I pray a prompting of your spirit, a calling on their lives, that they might too come to know how good and wide and high and deep and vast is the love of Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.